0: After a busy trade deadline, the Atlanta Braves went back to work on Tuesday night, and Spencer Strider and the offense dominated the Philadelphia Phillies for a 13-1 victory. We'll talk about that game, and also I'll give you my grades for the Braves at the trade deadline. Did they do enough? What does it look like the rest of the way for the Atlanta Braves? We'll cover that in today's episode of Locked on Braves, so let's get into it. You are locked on Braves, your daily Atlanta Braves podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, and welcome back to Locked On Braves, part of Locked On Sports Atlanta, where we cover your favorite Atlanta sports teams each and every day. I am your host, Jake Mastriani. You can follow me on Twitter at shortstopball. Check out my bio there to see where I am covering the game of baseball including the Atlanta Braves in written form over at tomahawktake.com. Where we've had a lots of coverage from the trade deadline if you want to go over there and check that out. Also, make sure you follow the podcast on Twitter at Lockdown underscore Braves. Send in any questions, comments or feedback that you have for the podcast. I really do appreciate that. Subscribe to us on YouTube. Hit that thumbs up button and that notification bell as well. Helps out the show a ton. And thanks for making Lockdown Braves your first listen each and every day. We post episodes daily, five days a week, Monday through Friday, and are free and available on all platforms. And today's episode is brought to you by Blue Nile. Make your moment sparkle with jewelry from BlueNile.com. And going on now is the Blue Nile anniversary sale. Save up to 45% on classic fine jewelry pieces and 25% On engagement settings, shop stress-free and find your forever peace. Go to BlueNile.com today. On today's episode, we'll be talking about Tuesday's big win over the Philadelphia Phillies. We'll also be covering the trade deadline, talking about the moves that were made, and also just giving you my overall grade for the Braves and Alex Anthopoulos at the deadline. Talk about some other moves made around the league as well. But I want to start out today's show talking about Vin Scully and the passing of Vin Scully on Tuesday night. I, like many of you, uh, grew up listening to Vin Scully, uh, living you know, in the central time zone, but on the East Coast in Alabama. I would love getting in bed at night and listening to Vin Scully and his just smooth, soothing voice in the game of baseball and the way that he painted the picture of the game that I love being played. He's the best to ever do it. Uh, he did it for a long time, and he. there are many generations of kids, people just like me that grew up listening to the game of Ben Scully. He is a true legend in the game, a great person, again, the greatest announcer that we have ever known, and it is truly sad to hear of his passing. If you, for some reason, aren't familiar with Ben Scully, I I encourage you to go check out uh, all of his clips and everything. He called Hank Aaron's 715 home run that I have uh, in a picture behind me here uh, he's just, again, an, an icon in sports, uh, really in, in the world in general. Uh, everybody loves Vin Scully, loves hearing his voice, so uh, rest in peace. Certainly was sad to hear that on Tuesday night. Now getting into the action from Tuesday as the Braves took on the Philadelphia Phillies, they got a big 13-1 to win. Uh, this is the game but I think. You know, On paper, it was a game the Braves should have won, but as we know, this game's not always played on paper because the Washington Nationals, who just traded away their two best players, took down Jacob deGrom and the Mets on Tuesday as well, helping out the Braves. So what it looks like on paper in baseball doesn't always play out, but you had the Phillies with the bullpen game. You had Spencer Strider on the mound. Uh, this seemed like a game that the Braves should win. They actually fell behind one nothing early but then went on to roll to a 13-1 to victory. I mentioned Spencer Strider. Worked into the seventh inning for the first time this year. Had a career-high 13 strikeouts. He just looked dominant. And I talked about this on the postcast with Grant McCauley, which you can find on the Lockdown Braves uh, YouTube page as well as uh, the Lockdown Braves uh, podcast feed. I I was surprised to see a week later that he was facing the same team and they still just could not figure him out because it's something that I, I'm curious to see and watch with Spencer Strider as he faces a team for a second, third time. Are they able to make an adjustment to him? Because, again, this guy is throwing two pitches primarily. I mean, he's throwing a changeup a handful of times in the game. He's primarily fastball slider. And One thing I did notice, he threw a lot more sliders this time around than a week ago when he faced the Phillies. So don't know if that was a strategic uh, changeup in the game plan to throw more sliders after last week he pretty much was all fastballs. So that was one thing I did see different. But still, this guy's throwing two pitches, and in a, a week span he dominates the exact same lineup. So that gives me great confidence in Spencer Strider going forward that his stuff is still going to play, despite you know a team seeing him a second, third time down the road. I thought that was a big step for Spencer Strider, but he was just unbelievable on Tuesday night. And I love the comments from Alex Anthopoulos, who was interviewed on the TV uh, side of things during the game, and said, we don't believe in innings limits. They will monitor Spencer Strider for sure and make sure there is no fatigue or signs of you know him slowing down and did not look like that on Tuesday night. And with you know Jake Odorizzi coming over, they can go to a six-man rotation for a little while. They'll need to with a couple of double headers they have coming up, but they can find ways to try to limit Spencer Strider's starts. But I was excited to hear hear Alex say that. Uh, that to me means you know Strider can stay in the rotation the rest of the year as long as he's being effective as he is now. Uh, and I you know I think Spencer Strider, if he stays in the rotation, there are no limitations on him. You go into a postseason, I mean, is he your number two behind Max Freed right now? I mean, I think that's a debatable question at the moment with how dominant he is. And you know how you know, dominant pitching like that plays up in a postseason setting. So I'm really curious now to see what happens with Spencer Strider the rest of the way. Can he carry this out through a full season? You know, despite not throwing you know more than a hundred innings in a season before this, in a professional season before this, so, uh, but I thought that was encouraging news, especially when he goes out and and do and does what he did on uh, Tuesday night. But the, it wasn't just Spencer Strider; the offense really went out there, and I think that's another impressive thing for Spencer Strider to go back on him for a minute. There were some long bottom half of the innings; The Braves were having twenty plus minute innings, and Spencer Strider went back out there and just put up zero. So I thought that was impressive as well, having all that downtime on the bench and then coming right back out and just getting right back after it. So I love that from Spencer Strider as well. On the offensive side of things, Eddie Rosario, look, we talked about at the deadline, did the Braves need to go out and find an everyday left fielder? I still think they could have, but Eddie Rosario is starting to show that he's that type of hitter that we thought he could be. I mean, he has, over the last week, really been swinging the bat a lot better. Three more hits on Tuesday, five runs batted in. And again, it ended up being a blowout, but he had one of the biggest at-bats of the game when the Braves had, they had two on with nobody out. Swanson strikes out. Olsen walks to load the bases for Austin Riley, who then strikes out. And then with two outs, Eddie Rosario hits the ball hard, goes off the first baseman's glove, which is how the Phillies scored their one run. Uh, But the Braves score two runs there, take the lead, and then obviously run away with the game. So great to see for Eddie Rosario. Marcelo Zuna, three-hit game and a home run. Maybe he's going to heat up. That would certainly be great. Acuna got on base three times, which is great. Still hitting the ball on the ground a lot. Actually, a lot of ground balls, I thought, from the Braves in this game, but they were all hit hard. Unfortunately, uh, they were finding some holes, and putting the ball on the ground against the Phillies defense is not a bad strategy. Dansby had three hits, all of them very soft hits, but a couple of them, you know, coming with two strikes and runners on him just putting the bat in play. You love to see that as well, even though he did strike out in the, the moment that I mentioned earlier where we really needed him to put the ball in play. Two out runs continue to be a thing for the Braves. They had eight two out RBI uh, on Tuesday night as well. This team just does not care. Two outs, two strikes. Um, you know, they are, they are locked in. Uh, And when the pressure is is biggest, it seems that's when they step up the most. Everybody had a hit except for Matt Olson. He did draw that big walk I mentioned earlier to load the bases. Also got hit by a pitch and scored two runs. He also went from first to home again. uh, So he may need a day off here on Wednesday. Everyone in the lineup scored a run. I mean, this is just what I've talked about all year. When this offense is clicking one through nine, you know, you can get everybody contributing like this. Certainly is fun to see when this offense is clicking as they were on Tuesday night. Granted, it was a bullpen game. Going to be a lot tougher on Wednesday as it's an afternoon game, and they're going up against Zach Wheeler. But this is what you should do in games like this. And the Phillies were using a lot of their good bullpen arms early. Connor Brogdon, uh, Corey Knable, uh, they were bringing in the, those guys early when the game was close, you know, trying to to win that game. I mean, they need to win every game they can at this point. So, uh, they were going through some pretty good relievers there in the middle innings and still putting up great at-bats and some big numbers. Next, I want to talk about the trade deadline, uh, what the Braves did, did they do enough, and talk about the other trades from around the league. Whether you're ready to pop the question or celebrating a milestone moment, My jewelry as unique as her with the modern convenience of online shopping at BlueNile.com. Blue Nile has simple online tools that let you choose the diamond shape, size, and clarity, as well as setting style. Blue Nile's Vince jewelers will then handcraft her perfect engagement ring, making each ring one of a kind. If you're looking for fine jewelry but having trouble choosing, Blue Nile has jewelry experts on hand 24-7, available via phone or chat to help you find a memorable gift at every budget. Make your moment sparkle with jewelry from BlueNile.com. And going on now is the Blue Nile anniversary sale. Save up to 40% on classic fine jewelry pieces and 25% on engagement ring settings. Plus every order is insured ships free and arrives in discreet packaging that won't give away what's inside shop stress-free and find your forever piece. Go to blue Nile.com today. The trade deadline has come and gone. The teams that you have now are most for the most part going to be the teams that you take down the stretch and into the postseason. So did the Braves do enough? We'll talk about that in a second, but I want to go through the moves that they did make. They traded for Robbie Grossman on Monday. They traded for A. Ray Adrianza, and it ended up being official on Tuesday morning, but they traded for Jake Odorizzi as well. Things were pretty silent most of the day Monday, but then after time had expired, we learned of a trade for Rysell Iglesias from the Los Angeles Angels for Jesse Chavez and Tucker Davidson. This was a huge shock to me, and I think a lot of people, look, none of the people that the Braves traded for did I talk about, and I didn't hear anybody else really talking about them. I know Robbie Grossman was a name that a lot of Braves fans were talking about at last year's deadline, but he's been having a terrible season this year for the most part, again, still hitting lefties well and will be a platoon partner with Rosario, but was not somebody that was on a lot of people's radar but Rysel Iglesias, this guy just signed a huge deal with the Angels. He's going to be making a lot of money, $16 million each of the next three years. But he is one of the more dominant relievers in, in all of baseball, has been for several years now. These are his age 33 through 35 seasons, which worries me a little bit. But you look at his advanced metrics and you look at his baseball savant page, it's all in the red. I mean, this guy, I know his ERA is over four He's had some inconsistencies, blown a couple of big saves for the Angels this year. But overall, you look at his metrics and what he is doing, and he is still a dominant pitcher. What I love, he strikes out a lot of batters, and he doesn't walk a lot of batters. And that's exactly what you want from a guy coming into a high-leverage situation. And we talked about the bullpen going into the deadline. Who do you really trust in a high-leverage situation in a postseason setting? And honestly, going in, it was Kenley Jansen and A.J. Minter. And Jansen, honestly, has been a little shaky at times, at least making things uh, a little sketchy in the ninth inning. Minter, great early in the season, been giving up some runs here lately. So they needed another high leverage guy. And I think from the right side for those seventh and eighth inning, you know, big jams to get out of. And I think they've certainly found that in Iglesias. And like I said, making big money the next three years. But they were paying Jansen $16 million this year. They were willing to pay Will Smith $13 million a year over four years. So Iglesias can step in and be the closer of this team for the next three years if needed, if that's his role that he's going to fill. So I, I, I'm good with this move. I feel very comfortable with it. You don't give up much. I love Jesse Chavez and the role that he played for the Braves, and he was outstanding for them. You hate to lose that. Uh, I mean, the Braves gave up a a couple of good clubhouse guys in Will Smith and Jesse Chavez, uh, some really good clubhouse chemistry type of guys at this trade deadline. But the team talent overall is better. As good as Chavez was, I don't think you're going to trust him in the seventh inning going up against the Padres, you know, top three in the lineup or the Dodgers. You know, you need a, a dominant type, of arm, and that's exactly what Rysel Iglesias is. And so he gives them that at the back end. Tucker Davidson going. I love Tucker Davidson. I love his work ethic. I mean, I think the kid can be as good as as he wants to be, but as he is right now, I mean, he profiles more as a back end of the rotation, fourth or fifth type starter. So I think you're willing to give that up for somebody like Rysel Iglesias, who, again, I think is going to give you a a dominant – high leverage arm and somebody who could potentially be your closer for the next three years. And getting paid that much, he uh, he honestly probably should be, and hopefully he pitches like that. But I thought that was a very good move at the last second. Before I get my grade for the Braves, I want to talk about some other trades uh, around the division and around the league. The Phillies, I thought, had a really good trade deadline. They went out and got Noah Syndergaard. You know, he could probably fit number three starter in their rotation. They went out and got Brandon Marsh as well from the Angels. um, Very good defensive center fielder. uh, Once a very good prospect, hitting prospect as well. It hasn't translated to the big league level, but still really young. I liked that move as well, kind of buying low on a, a, a top prospect. Um, David Robertson also went to the Phillies, so the best reliever that was out there on the market. I think there's some better relievers, Rysel Iglesias, who got traded, but uh, David Robertson was one of the top relievers on the market. The Phillies go and get him. The Mets got Michael Gibbons and Darren Ruff, and obviously I'm just talking about deals that went down on Tuesday, not the entire trade deadline. I know the Mets made some other moves as well, but they go out and get a reliever, Michael Gibbons. They get Darren Ruff. Really thought the Mets were going to make a bigger move. I thought they'd go after Wilson Contreras, who ends up staying with the Cubs, as does Ian Happ. So I'm assuming that the price for those two was just way too high for what teams, not just the Mets or the Braves, in terms of Happ, were willing to give up. So you know, good on the Braves, good on on the Mets, I guess, for not you know overpaying for the player. But I I've thought for sure at least Wilson Contreras would be going to the Mets, but they get rough. Uh, Splatoon guy from the right side to match with uh, Vogelbach and Naquin that they got uh, from the left side. Michael Gibbons gives them another solid arm. Tyler, the Twins had a great uh, trade deadline as well. They got Tyler Malley from the Reds. They got Michael Fulmer for the bullpen. And they got Jorge Lopez from the Orioles, who I talked about, you know, a really good reliever. I just didn't know if he would be available from the Orioles, but the Twins gave up four prospects for him. Um, so the Twins, I thought, had a, an excellent. Trade deadline really bolstered their pitching staff. Wood Merrifield, somebody that had, you know, some brief mention and interest for the Braves. He goes to the Blue Jays, as does relief pitcher Anthony Bass. Brandon Drury, somebody that, you know, I think the Braves were on probably and should have been on. Uh, He ends up going to the Padres, as does Juan Soto and Josh Bell and Josh Hader. The Padres obviously won the trade deadline with what they were able to do. And then Joey Gallo going to the Los Angeles Dodgers. That was a head-scratching move there, and he'll probably go on to be the Joey Gallo that we have known from the past over there, but uh, that was an interesting move. I know a lot of Braves fans have talked about uh, Atlanta possibly getting him, but he ends up going to the Dodgers. So my overall trade grade for the Braves, I'd give them a B plus and. Look, before the Iglesias trade, I probably was sitting on a, you know, C plus or something uh, of that nature. It was an underwhelming trade deadline. I thought Alex had done what he needed to do and just making some depth moves, getting Grossman as a platoon guy, somebody off the bench who can hit lefties, you know, getting Adrianza as a utility guy who can, you know, come in and play multiple positions and can be a pinch runner, can give you a good at bat off the bench. You need somebody to you know, put the ball in play or give you a good at bat, maybe work a walk. But it was really just kind of underwhelming. And I like the Odorizi trade as well. It gives you some starting pitching depth to get through the rest of this season. You know, it gives you the ability to go to a six-man rotation. If you want to, the, to limit the innings on Spencer Strider. Uh, or if Ian Anderson, you know, can't get it all together in this next couple of starts, it gives you the ability to send him down and have a veteran, Odorizzi. I don't think Odorizzi is going to make a postseason start for the Braves, but for these next two months, I think he could play a big role. Uh, so, you know, before the Iglesias trade, I was probably sitting on a C+. It was just a, you know, an average deadline. He kind of did what he needed to do, but nothing spectacular. But the Iglesias move, for me, it puts that in that, that B-plus range. And I kind of went through my checklist on Twitter. I sent out, you know, got rotation depth, check, you know, got – a platoon bat for Eddie Rosario check, you know, made an upgrade on the bench over Cano with the utility player and Adrianza check um, and got a high leverage right-handed reliever in Iglesias. You know, those were, those were the biggest, you know, items that I had. The only one that didn't get fulfilled was an everyday left fielder. And I just don't think that was available. And if it was, it was costing too much in terms of Ian Happ and, you know, something else I thought about is Michael Harris took a ball off the foot on Tuesday night. Who is the backup center fielder? Um, I really don't think they want to put Acuna out there. He hasn't been great defensively in right field this year. And I'm sure they don't want to put that stress on him. So that's where I go back to Guillermo Heredia and I laugh because he just continues to survive on this team as a cheerleader and a great clubhouse person. But he does fill an important role. If something were to happen to Michael Harris, I think he's your backup center fielder right now. I think you'd have to put him out there. So understand a little bit more why you want to hang on to him. You know, a defensive replacement late in the game for Eddie Rosario and left field, and also just there to back up Michael Harris if something were to happen to him. So did Alex Antopoulos do enough? I think he did. Uh, again, I thought for this trade deadline, he really just needed to to create some depth and to upgrade some depth on the bench, and I thought he did that. I would have loved to seen a little bit better player than Adrianza. You know, if you could have gotten Drury, um, but the Padres were getting everybody, you know, I would have loved that over Adrianza would have loved a little bit, you know, better bat than Robbie Grossman, although he, he does hit lefties Well, I understand the platoon matchup there, Uh, but I would have loved to seen, you know, some better depth. Well, I think the bench depth was improved. Would have loved to seen, you know, a couple of better players other than Grossman and Adrianza. Um, you know, what's missing? I really don't know what's really missing for this team at this point. You know, if Eddie Rosario is going to hit in left field, I think this lineup is complete. That's really the only glaring weakness that this team had. The starting rotation is is very good. The bullpen is very solid as well. So especially if Kirby Yates comes back, and he is the Kirby Yates that we've known in the past, you know, if Tyler Matzik can get back to his form, which I'm not very optimistic of. You know, I think the bullpen is set as well. Uh, so I don't think there's really anything missing for this team. I think this team, as I said before the trade deadline, I think they're capable of of catching the Mets. I think they're capable of winning a World Series. Now it's just up to them to get it done on the field. Um, and I loved AA's comments about uh, second base during the game. You know, he talked about the possibility of making a move for second base to get somebody there until Ozzy's back, but. What he said, you know, made a lot of sense is what's out there really worth giving up a prospect. And is it really going to be that much better than what you're getting out of Orlando Arcia, who's playing great defense? As you saw, he hit a home run on Tuesday night and he can run into one every now and then. You know, was there really somebody out there? And we obviously don't know exactly what all was out there. Who's going to be worth giving up prospects for? That's going to be that much of an upgrade over Arcia when you're still, you know, obviously hoping that Albies is going to be back. So. I thought that made a lot of sense just to let Arcia play things out there. You gave Cano a shot. It didn't work out. I believe that's Arcia's job now until Ozzy is back. Um, and then I mentioned, you know, the Cubs held on to Hat. They held on to Contreras. Those were two big pieces, uh, and apparently the price tag was just too high on either of them. So um, I thought it was a, a solid trade deadline for Alex Anthopoulos. Did what he needed to do. Um, nothing really spectacular, although I think you could make the argument the Iglesias trade was – a pretty excellent move and a big move to get somebody like that, a closer dominant type like that. And you really didn't give up much. So I really like this trade deadline for Alex Anthopos. I think the Braves are set up now to um, get it done on the field and they are set up to win another world series championship with this group that they have. All right, next we'll preview Wednesday's game, which is here ready to start in just a couple of hours. BetOnline.net is the the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your betting needs. Find your favorite sports and events at the number one online source for odds, lines, and games. Find reviews and news of every league, including Major League Baseball, NFL, NBA, NHL, combat sports, eSports, and even golf. BetOnline continues to be the top online resource for all your sport wagering information. From live in-game betting, scores, and podcasts, they have you covered. Head to Bet Online today, or use your mobile device to learn more about the action happening today. Bet Online, where the game starts. As I mentioned, the Braves Phillies game will be starting soon on Wednesday. Not long after this is posted, a twelve thirty Eastern start time. It'll be Charlie Morton versus Zach Wheeler. And as the Braves were piling up those runs on Tuesday night, part of me was thinking, save some. Tomorrow, you know, know how tough it's been for the Braves' offense to score runs in day games, and they are going up against Zach Wheeler, so it's going to be a tough matchup for the Braves. Charlie Morton, last time out, cruised through the first four innings. I thought it looked like vintage Charlie Morton, and then just ran into a wall in that fifth inning and really just could not get out of it, so looking for a better, more complete performance from him. Braves really you know, need to, to finish off this homestand strong, get a win. Over the Phillies, like I said, kind of create some more separation between them in the wild card standings and just get some good vibes going as they head on on the road for an 11 game road uh, road trip, including five games this weekend against the New York Mets. So we'll love to see them sweep this two game quote unquote series. I hate these two game series, but you know, go ahead and knock knock out both of these wins, get it done, and just get some good vibes going. Hopefully pick up some more ground on the Mets going into this series this weekend. Obviously, we'll be covering a lot of that over the weekend, both here and on the postcast. So that will do it for this episode of Lockdown Braves. Thank you for making Lockdown Braves your first listen of the day. Now go make your second listen, Lockdown MLB podcast, where MLB expert Paul Francis Sullivan brings humor, passion, and a unique perspective on every team and the biggest stories around the league. Again, thanks for listening. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Lockdown underscore Braves. You can follow me at shortstopball. Also make sure that you rate, review, and subscribe to the Lockdown Braves podcast wherever you get your podcast, and we will talk to you next time.